This is the bail list. So decided just to take the fall, bail, um, kept falling. <laughs> Had this moment where you're just like, oh, this is longer than it should be. This podcast is brought to you by Wild Earth, top quality outdoor gear made by those in the know. And Awesome Woodies, handcrafted training tools for climbers made locally and sustainably. Here at The Bail List, we acknowledge the Yugambeh Language Group, the traditional custodians of the land where this podcast is recorded. We pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This is The Bail List. Hey, I'm Nicole Rolls. How festive of me that I'm resurrecting the podcast just in time for Christmas. Actually, the resurrection's more of a Easter story, I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's been forever since I've recorded a podcast episode. The second half of 2022 was very tumultuous. I was really sick with COVID and then I got a new job. It's been one thing after another. But I'm back, baby, with another bail list story for you. Um, hope you haven't forgotten about me and I hope that this is just in time for any travelling that you're doing over the Christmas period. Uh, so let's talk about today's episode. In this one, I'm chatting with Adam Wooler, who was climbing at Arapiles earlier this year when he took a gear-ripping fall and sustained serious injuries. What's remarkable, though, is how fast Adam has recovered. And we'll chat about both his physical and mental comeback today. Hope you enjoy. Um, all right, let's crack on. Hi, Adam. How you doing, Nicole? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. I feel yeah. like it's been since winter when yeah. I last saw you, Frog. Yeah, about, yeah, June, July. Yeah, just after coming back to climbing. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd seen you and, yeah, my partner had left and, yeah, I was getting back into the ropes. So, yeah. You were, yeah, because you had just, uh, what were you, like, a couple of months um, out from your accident at that point? Yeah, I think I was about six weeks six seven mm. weeks yeah so mm. pretty fresh out but mm. definitely on like the back end of like recovering after the accident and yeah feeling pretty good and the body was holding up so yeah, yeah it was starting to like integrate and get back into a bit of movement and get back in the rope so yeah mm. it was a pretty exciting time yeah yeah and yeah, that was so. the first time we met which yeah, is yeah, kind of fun because yeah. you've known my partner andrew for many many years so yeah. um it was nice to finally meet you after hearing so much about you um and we will talk obviously about your accident a little bit but i just realized i already get misinformed you yeah. because it's been so long since i've done a <laughs> podcast episode i told you i was going to get you to talk about yourself at the end yeah. but i just remembered i changed my format okay. to do that at the start right, nice, so i'm going nice. to throw you in the deep end and okay. get you to talk a little bit just tell me um like how you got into climbing how did you start yeah um I kind of got into climbing, I was overseas and I was traveling in South America and I was spending a bit of time down in Patagonia and I just saw all this like rock and just got pretty like excited that that was like a thing that people did. So I came back to Brisbane and I was in my final year of university and then I joined the Cliffhangers. So that was kind of my like intro into climbing. 
the cliffhangers uh, is the the QT yeah, yeah, uh, university climbing uh, group. What a way to! I mean, I can't imagine anyone going to Patagonia and not being like, yeah, "This is old. I want to go and yeah. climb those mountains." Hundred oh, percent. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty special. Obviously, pretty high tier climbing, but like, yeah, seeing those like massive granite granite monoliths, like, yeah, super special. Yeah, just yeah. massive and awe inspiring, and just yeah, a powerful space. And Absolutely. Just one that I wanted to like be around in a bit more, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to like come back and bring that into like life in Brisbane and yeah, kind of like change directions with what I was doing and how I was spending my time. And yeah, it was a super, super beautiful like introduction into climbing. Did it through the cliffhangers? Did it really change your the course of your life? Because you're living that van life now and, and climbing a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you are very, very dedicated to climbing at this point in your life. Yeah, I think the first year for me was like a bit tough. It's kind of at this like precipice of like changing how my life was like sort of unfolding and how I was spending time and um, and splitting away from some like old friends and like forming new friendships. So I think that was like quite pivotal um, in the sense that, yeah, I could see another way to like live life and have this sort of like, yeah, outlet being climbing and having this like community and yeah having it as a lifestyle so yeah it was super powerful and the first year was a bit weird i was like i had a few shoulder injuries um and just been new to climbing yeah i kept tweaking it so it was a bit of like yeah a lot of few get ups but like quite a few lows um and then the year after that like started climbing a lot more actually moved away from brisbane and was living overseas in zimbabwe and was just like able to climb yeah quite a lot there consistently and yeah do a lot more leading and bouldering and yeah that was like an awesome introduction into like other spaces where you can make friends within those like communities um so that was yeah really powerful and kind of like stemmed i think from there kind of just started slowly like gathering momentum yeah that was the thing that you could do as like a major part of your lifestyle which was yeah super rad yeah what's the climbing like in zimbabwe uh awesome yeah really yeah. really good um pretty varied a lot of like granite like a lot of big granite like monoliths um which they call like ngormors um so like still a lot of like root developments to be going on there are like a few like international climbers coming down and a few local climbers putting up roots but um yeah we had like multiple good climbing spots like in and around zimbabwe like on mostly granite um some amazing like bouldering up in the highlands close to like mozambique there's this like huge acres and acres of just like boulders after boulders uh, up in like the mountains so like that space Chimani Mani is like yeah probably one of the like more beautiful spaces I've been in to be able to go climbing just like feels remote and rugged and yeah just up in the mountains and yeah that was like yeah super rad trip and we got to go out there and just boulder and yeah Sounds yeah. insane. Yeah, I, super I, beautiful. I can't think of a better way to like start your climbing career yeah. than going somewhere like that <laughs> and just yeah. having adventures. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Like even, I mean, you just go out for the weekend and like your local crag, there'd just be like the booms and stuff, just like running around the cliffs. And remember one day we were like walking to the base and yeah, the boom had just like fallen off like a tree and was like dead on the ground. And normally they're like, they're super scary creatures. Like I remember as a child, because I grew up in South Africa, and there was this one experience where, like, a troop of baboons came out of the mountains and just, like, my dad got, like, our family into the car and these baboons just, like, got into the boot and were just, like, pulling out, like, food and, like, you're just seeing their, like, fangs and they're, like, super muscly and 
these big like red barks and just like pretty vicious looking creatures and be able to like look at one like there and these things were just like huge like massive like fangs and sizes and this must have been like know, probably old age or something or got in a fight or yeah that's so. crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Full on. Yeah. Um, tell me what kind of climbing you mostly sort of dabble in. Um, probably this year has been mostly trad, um, but like a mixture between sports and trad. Um, yeah, intro is probably a lot more sports climbing. And then over the last like year, year and a half, has been more trad, I guess, orientated. And this year, especially being in the van and spending a lot of time at Heracles. Yeah, we probably spent like three, four months and mm-hmm. yeah, just, yeah, just crafting a bit more trad and being in that environment, which has been super rad. You've spent a lot of time at Arapolis this year. Yeah, yeah, we've spent a consider- considerable amount of time. <laughs> which we'll talk about because I'm yeah. interested because that's where you had your accident yeah. and you've been back there a fair bit. So that that's interesting to me. Um, but tell me about, I mean, you obviously living that van life, you're climbing a lot, climbing yeah. Every day, every other day, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, when we were at a wraps, I guess it was like every other day. So that was mm-hmm. like fairly consistent. Over the last like two months, it's been a bit less. Um, just kind of like winding down that mainland trip and just kind of like needing to have a bit more of a rest. And there were a few other things going on around like um, Heracles. There was like the Natty Fringe Festival, which is like this once a year event where they just have like arts and music and yeah, that was super funky and we had friends doing like highlighting and like performing. So yeah, it's kind of nice just to like take a step back and just be involved in like a slightly different way. And then yeah, there was a lot of highliners at the Pines um, the last couple months. So yeah, just like doing a bit more highlighting, um, taking a step back from climbing a little bit. So yeah, it's been like an interesting like mixture, I guess. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and where else have you climbed this year on your trip? Um, so Arapalis and then, uh, came up to Frog after my accident, um, back down to like Nowra, Point Perp, which you guys were just talking yeah, about. So yeah, so <laughs> rad. Had my first trip to Point Perp earlier yeah. this year. It was sensational. Yeah, that's stellar. Yeah. yeah. That's a really cool part of the world. Yeah. yeah Nowra, Point Perp, yeah, there's so much good climbing. I always thought that for me, once I went to Warren Bungles, I was like, this is it. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is my favorite spot to climb in Australia. Yeah. But I actually think that Point Perp takes it yeah, for the ocean views. Yeah, yeah. Especially what you said before, if you like the ocean and yeah, combining that with climbing and being yeah. like Yeah, it's two of my favorite things. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. So, I love that you went there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's super beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Just lots of top roping and top rope sailing. And yeah, nice. You can just like throw your ropes over the cliffs and just climb stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Pretty easy and just cruise, which is cool. Sidebar, shout out to everyone who got really involved in making sure that we continued to have access to. Mm. Point perp because it was a little Massive. touch and go for a second there, um, but so many people I feel like got behind. You know, yeah. emailing all of the members of parliament that needed to be contacted, and um, you know, I was saying to you before we started recording that I feel like it's not. Well, I mean, I don't know what was going through anyone's brains, but I feel like it was never that they were planning to close the cliffs to climbers. I feel like it was more that people don't in those positions of power don't consider climbers to necessarily be like valid stakeholders and hopefully the more people engage and reach out to those people in power the more they'll realize that actually we are like a valid stakeholder group that needs to be consulted um which is cool and point perps 
I, I mean, as discussed, such an amazing place to climb. Yeah. So I'm glad we didn't lose it. That's oh, awesome. Yeah, no, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that like response by the community was definitely like quite strong. And I guess seeing like what's happened in other parts of Australia with some of like this amazing climbing spots being closed, mm-hmm. like you kind of need that big like community like output. And maybe it yeah, happened like retroactively but i guess that, that was also hard because it wasn't what they were intending to do like the army base mm. they weren't actually intending to close it to climbers but it was just miscommunicated but at least it's put it on the radar and hopefully that's going to be like yeah i don't know if it's not like allowed to climb there or mm. like yeah it just makes it a bit more known so yeah yeah, yeah. super yeah. rad Super rad. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the accident that you had earlier yeah. this year. Honestly, I, I don't know if it feels this way for you, but it feels like a lifetime ago that I saw you at Frog. Yeah, so even longer since your accident happened. Yeah. When did it actually happen? Uh, it happened in the middle of this year, I think like June 10th. Yeah, it was mm. a date from memory. So what's that now? Like six, five, six months? Yeah, Just right. over six months. I mean, yeah. really, that's not that long in the grand scheme of things. No, it's pretty, yeah, still pretty recently. But I don't know, it's so easy just to, like, move from one thing into the other and, like, mm. time just kind of, like, warps. And once you lose that intensity of, like, like having the injury and, like, moving past it, it's kind of just, like, falls back into the, yeah, distance. Mm. At least that's what it's been like for me, I guess. Yeah. For sure. Um, so that was, was that on your first trip to Arapolis for the year? Yeah. Yeah. That was at the start. So we'd been there already for about two months. It was actually on our last day at Arap. At so we're about to move on like the next day and yeah, start heading um, through like the Blue Mountains and up to Frog. So yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Tell me about the route that you were climbing that day. Um, so the routes are called Squeak Easy, which is a Grade 22 drag route. Um, yeah, just on my central left buttress. So it's a yeah beautiful line that kind of just takes this middle of the face with um yeah just amazing features like hands, a few fingers, a bit of like a hard crux up high. Um, but yeah, just like a really really beautiful line that actually. Yeah, it'd been like waiting a while to like try and then it was kind of getting towards the end of the trip and kind of, I guess like the time necessary trying to, yeah, get on it and try it. Um, yeah, it was actually like quite weird because leading up into the week before I had a bit of um, like reaction in my hands from uh, like climbing some of the pine trees in the pines. Yeah, right. And it was like, it was pretty bad. Like my whole like hands just like had swollen up like and just got like super super fat like that and i'd gotten like blisters and like the, my hands and like some on my feet oh my god yeah it was super weird um i think it was like because you have resin in the pine trees I right. think that's all i could like put it down to that must be allergic to it so yeah the whole week leading up to just before the accident it was just like yeah having these like pretty cooked hands and, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> i can't imagine hand jamming with like full-on allergic reaction hands yeah yeah by the time i think they'd gone down but i don't think i was like fully like like fully healed this definitely didn't feel like super normal and i think that probably also took a like a toll like just on my like, energy and probably like my nervous system like mm. leading into it mm. yeah it's definitely not like 100 percent. yeah leading into the climb yeah right how long is the route um good question i think it's probably around 
20, 25 meters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So not super long, like you have a couple like bouldery hard sections between some good rests mm -hmm. where you can get a lot back. Um, and then there's like a bit of sustained climbing and then, yeah, then about maybe like just above halfway, the route kind of turns and that's when it starts going into like, yeah, the sort of crux section. Um, yeah, which can be a bit notorious. Actually, before trying the route, like we had a little bit, but um, yeah, there was maybe like a dangerous like fall potential. And then I chatted to some other friends who said, like, you know, it was like all fine and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, there's kind of like this big uh, pillar that just stands to like the left of the route. So it's like a freestanding like block. And then you have the route that's maybe like, you know, four meters to the right, but then at the top, it kind of just starts trending towards the right um and it like yeah it gets a bit thin um and then you have the crux like just above it so yeah that's kind of like the style of the route i guess yeah yeah you said you'd sort of been holding off you'd been kind of eyeballing it for a while but you yeah. hadn't climbed it was there a particular reason were you like waiting to get stronger or you know know the style of the area better yeah i guess so i think just maybe like knowing um what people would like said about the route and then just yeah, getting used to like the style of climbing the racks can be like quite, um, I guess quite unique with its like smoothness and like, yeah, just like this, yeah, baby bumps and yeah, just being aware of like the movements and being comfortable on the route. Um, and then also that great because yeah, stuff can just feel pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, especially when you're placing gear. Yeah. And what was the gear like? Um, gear on the routes, yeah, really good. Um, probably up until yeah about like halfway mark just before it starts going into the crux where it kind of the route transitions out of this like crack system and you start heading out right and like yeah, it kind of gets quite thin mm. so to like read it on the fly like if you're on siding it or having like a hard like red point it's like quite tricky so i've known a few friends who've like spent quite a bit of time just like wrapping the route and like working out the gear through that section just because yeah it's yeah pretty and like yeah a little bit hard to like find the gear um so especially when you're like yeah the pumps pumping and, out yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and it, was that your approach did you like wrap the route or anything or were you trying to onsite i yeah the first time i went for the onsite um and yeah i got about like yeah up to one of the first lowdown cruxes which um actually had heard a friend who'd yeah like fallen from that spot and had hit the ground um yeah and the gear is like pretty good through that section but like a little bit thin and technical and yeah you're pulling like yeah quite hard moves and yeah a few like little technical finger locks but um yeah so kind of like had on side there and tried that and came down my partner went up and yeah she had a really good burn and yeah got pretty much through the crux and then fell um and then sent it next next burn so, uh -huh. yeah, yeah yeah super strong yeah, yeah. Nice. super out to see um and we're also trying it like late in the afternoon. So I think, um, yeah, just being able to like figure out like the gear in that, um, at that time of day, especially with like really small thin RPs, like really small wires. Yeah, you have to be like pretty like open to like finding these like little positions to place gear. So yeah, it was a little bit technical, both like the climbing and then finding the gear mm -hmm. um, through that section. Do you find that hard? To, what's your kind of experience level like with, with placing gear? Because I know yeah. with, especially with stuff like that, where it's not super obvious, um, it really, that like experience really pays off, right? Yeah. I think like all the routes that I had tried to wraps before that maybe didn't have that same 
like thinness um, and same like technical aspect of like being able to find gear. And I like, I'd heard stories of people just like running it out because you get a really like bomber, like number two can. And I think I've heard people just like punching it out for like three, four meters and then like getting peace like near at the crocs or like just trying the crocs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that was probably like unique in the sense that I maybe hadn't like tried as many routes that like had that like finesse to it. Um, mm-hmm. And then also I took a bit of like the data from like the gear that my partner had placed. Um, yeah, which there was some stuff that like, yeah, after I tried it again, when I came back to wraps like a couple months later that I found like, yeah, just new, new gear that was like pretty accessible to like place and just made it a bit safer. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we had a friend who was like trying it a lot um, at the time we went back and yeah, she was just like trying to dial it and just like find all the extra gear and mm. just yeah, make, really make it safe for her. So yeah, yeah it was interesting seeing like yeah, her workout process and yeah, find all the pieces. Yeah, that's a good idea. So when you, um, the on the burn where you had your accident, yeah. just sort of take me through the experience of, you know, starting up from the ground. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, so it was like the second, it was our last day, I guess, at the wraps. Um, and it was a bit of a weird day, like weather-wise. I think like that period leading in, it just been like raining quite a bit. So kind of a, it was leading into winter. So it kind of was like impinging a lot of my climbing side just like did have pockets where you could get out during the day and then it would like rain. Um, yeah, and we weren't even like sure we were going to get out that day to climb because it was just like raining and then clear and rain and clear. So we ended up getting out and um, yeah, I tried the route, but kind of from the get-go, I just like didn't feel great. Like both mentally, I don't think I was like tapped into the process of like trying a hard red point and then also physically, I think from like, yeah, having like my hands like messed up the week before and then having a few burns on it few days before I think I was just like quite like overworked and like yeah even some sections where normally I felt like relatively easily easy yeah that day just was like feeling like quite hard so I tried it once and then um yeah back clean and came down to the ground and like had a rest and then I went up the route and um kind of got to the section where you place like yeah really good number two and yeah I hadn't like worked out like the really thin gear up in that section and um yeah I was feeling like pretty pumped and pretty gastery at that stage and kind of decided to keep on climbing and just like just take the fall wherever I got to because I'd taken a few falls in that section but not onto the piece that I eventually like whipped onto and uh, pulled out um yeah which was like the piece kind of to the left of the route so it's something when like my partner and I were first climbing it she found this like pocket out to the left um which was like a bit higher than like the last like really good number two place and um, yeah, it's kind of like a weird feature where it's like this pocket that just like opened out at the back, but I didn't really know that at the time. Right. So I'd place like a totem that I think I'd either pushed too far in or walked in and that must have like butterflied. And I didn't know that at the time, but kept climbing the route and got to just before the crux. And um, yeah, it was a super pumped and it's just like, I'm not gonna be able to move through the crux. So decided just to take the fall, bow, um, kept falling <laughs> had this moment where you just like oh this is longer than it should be um and i had jumping i realized that actually pulled that piece and then um ended up taking just like quite a big swing fall um into that like freestanding pillar that was like to the left of the route and um yeah hit that side on into like my sacrum lower back and that was probably like maybe like six seven meters so it was a pretty like decent fall 
um, yeah, the impact was like, like pretty hard. Um, I definitely, yeah, felt it like rock through my body and didn't like notice any, like any like severe pain, but it was enough where I was just like straight to like my fillet, just like to get me down and, um, yeah, just got down to the bottom of the route and yeah, he just put me like lying down and, um, yeah, then we made the phone call to, yeah, get like, uh, emergency like response in yeah because it was a pretty severe fall and then that, at that time I could kind of feel like a few like pains and stuff going down through my leg and yeah the pain was like a little bit intense and yeah just obviously being in an outdoor setting and doing a few like wilderness first aid courses the immediate reaction is just like put the person down and just like don't mess around mm-hmm. just being in that area of like low back and stuff and not really knowing um yeah, feels like further damage and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point to like play it safe with something like that. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, we're hesitant to call the chopper. You don't want to be that person that's like using these resources if you don't really need to. But yeah. like that's what they're there for, right? And if you think there's for any sure. chance that it's it's something really serious. Yeah. Or even with something like that, you know, how else are you gonna get out? Yeah, no, exactly. Like yeah, maybe I could have hobbled and I probably would have like realized soon enough that I couldn't walk. But uh, the partner I was climbing with, like, I think he's had a few experiences where he's had partners, um, yeah, death. Um, and I think he's had to call the yeah helicopter and like emergency response before. So I think he'd already like been witness and been part of that experience to know that, yeah, just like just don't really mess around, you know, just like get the professionals in and just like play it safe and stuff for sure um i'm just going to take you back for a sec to to clarify some lingo just for people listening who maybe haven't been climbing for all that long you talked about totems which is a type of cam right yeah yeah that's a type of cam so yeah they're a really good cam that um has their like yeah beautiful uses that you can like weight two of the lobes but then they're also have a downside that if they're like butterfly open and are like paced passively that they will just um snap the trigger wires so they're not rated to anything that's passive whereas like your bds and wild countries and cans of that alcohol yeah all weighted to be passive pieces so if it'd been a different can it might have held like it probably would have been all right but yeah being a totem like yeah just my mate actually, when I was lying on the ground, he like saw it and picked it up, and that's when he realised what had happened. Yeah, that, yeah. Two of the trigger wires were broken, and that one side was just completely wrecked. So what happened basically, um, for for clarification, is um, when we talk about butterflying, that it's basically what a cam looks like before you squeeze it in yeah, and exactly. insert it into yeah. the rock it's just in its sort of natural state of yeah, being so you had put it in to a space thinking it was narrower than it was and then it just went fully butterfly yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah when my um a mate who went and retrieved like the gear off the route later he wrapped down and had a look at that feature and that like yeah when i was talking to him that's what he mentioned to me that like yeah the feature that i placed it in was maybe yeah like the first like i don't know maybe five to ten centimeters was like fine but if you like put it like just slightly deeper than that, it just like opened up into like a chasm. So like it was quite hard to tell. And yeah, the way the route went, like that feature was to the left and then this like the climb trended right. So you kind of on these like little slopers, side pulls, and then kind of had to just like balance out and just like reach like an arm span to the left. 
um, to like place this piece. Right. So you weren't eyeballing straight into no. the crack to like see how good it was in yeah. there or anything yeah, like exactly. that. It's pretty desperate. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, when I was trying that route, like, yeah, that move just like I was kind of struggling with and I was getting pretty pumped. And I think when that starts happening, your lactate starts building and you just like don't make like the best decisions and then like be able to not really see fully the piece to know that like what you play placing was like really good. Um, yeah, I think that contributed to yeah, not being aware of like the fact that it probably wasn't a bad space and then to not like climb above it. Um, mm. Yeah, that's kind of like my thinking afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And we've talked about this on this podcast before about like even sometimes when you know a placement is bad, but you're like that pumped and if you're scared as well, which I don't know if you were at that moment, but you know, you just like, I don't care. Just, I just want to put something in, you yeah, know? So than nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And did you know right away that you were like badly hurt? Um, y- yes and no, I guess like, um, I was hoping that it just wasn't going to be as bad as what it was and that like it felt quite painful but I was just thinking maybe it was going to be musculature but um yeah there was definitely like quite a lot of pain like going down through my like yeah sacrum like left leg down to like my foot but I could feel all my like toes so I think that was like probably like the best outcome I was like well I haven't done any like nerve damage at least um yeah, but it was, like, hard to tell. Like, I couldn't really, like, understand what was, like, maybe happening internally. Um, but, yeah, like, the fall was, yeah, pretty big. And that impact was, like, just, just straight away. Like, you know, you're going from free fall just to, like, stopping, like, immediately. And mm. I think actually, like, thinking about now, like, having, like, gear, like, cans and, like, belay devices, I think potentially that also added to the injury is hitting like metal onto rock onto like bone and that might have like provided a bit more of like an impact force as well um but yeah super lucky actually because if i hit it like maybe half a meter lower you know that could have been like actually in like the middle of the back um which yeah that would have been a lot worse rather than that like sacrum tailbone area which maybe isn't as like um yeah dangerous when you're like thinking about the spine and the implications of being like a paraplegic or quadriplegic from like a big fall like that yeah totally and you can wear a helmet but there's really nothing you can do to like protect that part of your body either (laughs) yeah um so you got a free chopper ride which is kind of fun Um, (laughs) it probably wasn't fun yeah well that actually like i didn't realize at the time that my partner was kind of like freaking out a little bit like she wasn't with us when the accident happened of course yeah Um, that she yeah, our mate managed to call her and she came across because she was, like, close by. And, um, yeah, she was thinking about that because, yeah, in some states you're not actually covered. Mm. Um, and in Victoria, if I hadn't been from Tasmania, there wouldn't have been reciprocal, um, like, uh, ambulance cover. So, yeah, I would have been up front for that. Oh, my um, God. So it's definitely something to be wary of when you're travelling interstate that sometimes you have to pay. Yeah. Like, and it's not even expensive, like, 60 bucks for, like, national coverage. But, yeah... Well, that's good to know because, I mean, you know, that should never be a deterrent. Like, if you're in a a pickle like that, you don't want to be thinking about the financial implications of it. So, (laughs) yeah, that's that's a good thing to know. So what is it you pay $60 for national, is it like chopper evac cover? Yeah, Yeah, I think it's like, it's just all of it. Like, we didn't actually make the call to get a chopper. So, like, we just called in and, like, my mate made that phone call. 
and he's kind of told us where we were and then mm -hmm. they decide um, like what sort of services that they're going to send out so they actually sent out quite a few people like maybe 10 emergency like personnel with a couple of vehicles and then an ambulance like from uh, Horsham and then yeah they brought in a helicopter um, from I think Melbourne probably um, yeah how far were you from the road was it easy for them to get to you um the walk-in from the pines is maybe like 15 20 minutes up a pretty like yeah mellow sort of trail nothing like too bad but um yeah getting me down so actually couldn't like land close by and they didn't want to winch me so the weather like during that time was kind of like a little bit rainy stormy it was kind of just like raining and then easing off and then raining and like a bit windy like up high so they came and had a look and then decided it would be better just to um, carry me out to the pines and then yeah take me from there mm. yeah how was that being carried on a stretcher with a, a broken was it broken <laughs> pelvis um so luckily not a broken pelvis mm. um it was it ended up being a broken sacrum and then a compression fracture in my l1 so just like kind of where the harness sits and that was just from like the force of my harness is like yeah pulling in my spine um yeah, it was a bit of an interesting experience. <laughs> it was a bit, bit weird. Um, it was kind of cathartic because there were a lot of like friends around. Um, so when it got like 15, 20 people from the Pines and they all joined in to like help carry me off the mountain. So they just kind of had like a big chain gang of people just like lifting and moving. That's so lifting good. So it's kind of nice because I had like familiar faces around me. The first um, responders would have loved that too. Yeah, they would have been sure. like, thank God, it's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely made that a lot smoother. And yeah, I'm not sure how long it took me, maybe like half an hour to get off like the mountains. It's all right. It was pretty fast. They were really good. Just like, yeah, just moving me along, stopping me when I needed to, like when they needed to, sorry. Mm. Like, yeah, moving people in front and just like, just calm, collected. I don't think it was the first time that they had um, done that on the mount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From that little drill. <laughs> it would have been pretty, like, horrifically painful for you because it would have been a bit of a bumpy ride with broken um, bones. Yeah, they'd, um, they gave me a lot of um, fentanyl. So I was pretty dosed up. They, yeah, they gave me heaps. Like, yeah, I don't know what the mounts were, but, yeah, I definitely mm. got, like, quite a lot before being moved and stuff. And, mm. yeah, just, like, getting me onto, like, the stretcher, that's probably, like, the most painful like part just rolling out of like the harness and getting out of that and then getting onto the stretcher but like once i was on the stretcher because they're so like compact those like yeah they have you strapped in and yeah you're just like dead still and yeah that was actually probably the most comfortable part of the whole like sort of ordeal and being moved yeah and you were tripping balls at that point i would assume <laughs> but did you have any do you remember thinking anything were you thinking about like what that would do to your climbing or anything like that or were you just like on the green whistle at that point basically <laughs> yeah just on the green whistle i had one mate running around trying to get them to give me ketamine which is pretty funny <laughs> 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 was just like messing around but um yeah no real thoughts i think i felt pretty bad for like my belayer um i delayed a mate like a couple months ago and yeah he had taken a pretty big fall and broken his foot and i don't know it's interesting like being the belayer compared to being the person like injured, but I definitely had a lot more like like guilt for like putting like my belayer through that. And I also felt that when I was belaying that I'd like somehow like had done the wrong thing and like not given the right catch. But like in retrospect, when I look back, like I couldn't have done like anything for my mate, but 
yeah, it's definitely hard seeing my friend like having to like go through that and be the one that's like making like the calls and like having to provide that emotional support. And I think it's somewhat easier, like at least that's what I felt when I was lying there and just kind of injured. But yeah, I kind of felt mm-hmm. quite bad for my mate at the time. So that's probably like the main sort of yeah thoughts that were going through my head. But yeah, I wasn't really thinking about yeah what was going to happen down the track. Yeah, it was too too soon to kind of say, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to talk about your recovery, but first I'm just going to check on dinner because if you record a podcast with the bailist, you also get a complimentary dinner. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, yeah, I want to talk about your recovery. So obviously you got the immediate evac to the hospital. Um, and, and I assume you got a bunch of scans and they told you what it was. Um, I mean, you can't really get a cast for that or anything like that. So what's the recovery no. process like? Yeah, it was quite quite an interesting, like, yeah, journey, I guess. Um, yeah, like, a lot of, like, one big scan, I guess. They took a full, like, trauma series scan, like, top to bottom. Um, yeah, which is quite interesting. Um, and especially, like, looking back now, um, just being exposed to that much radiation, like, that's almost, like, more concerning than what happened from the accident because there were just parts of me that maybe didn't need to be um yeah x-rayed um like my brain and stuff because i just didn't have any like impact forces like from the middle up mm-hmm. um but yeah so i went through that like big trauma series scan um and then yeah spent two days in the hospital and like spent maybe a day and a half where i couldn't really move um they just had me like lying down because i needed to be cleared um of any like potential like risks of the spinal fracture being not as stable as it was and then, then potentially they would have had to put me into like a back brace um but thankfully like it was just a compression fracture so it was only fractured in the one plane rather than being like up down and sideways which that means it's like unstable and that can in- impact like the spinal cord and stuff mm-hmm. so that was like a really good outcome and then my sacrum fracture was pretty yeah i think it was broken to like several-ish pieces um but yeah didn't need surgery everything was kind of like in line so the healing would be that yeah, everything would heal in time without needing surgery so both really good outcomes because not needing surgery obviously like speeds up the process mm-hmm. a lot faster yeah and then yeah kind of got released from hospital um with not much like information it was pretty like vague but kind of the general theme was like anything you do that's like painless like you can do it right. um so yeah, it was a little bit interesting, like, trying to navigate that to understand, like, what I could and couldn't do and how to, like, get back. And mm-hmm. thankfully, like, I had a really close mate in Launceston who I was speaking to after the accident. And um, he helped, like, kind of guide me with, like, movement um, exercises to kind of mm-hmm. just, like, strengthen, like, my core um, and get that, like, really, yeah, just really, like, active. And then the guy that he sort of follows, he has this, all this information on, like, back, back injuries um yeah kind of had a bit more like targeted stuff and just like walking and finding like pain-free movements and um just being able to like get out out of the bed and kind of not like pick the scab um because it's kind of hard like if you're constantly like tweaking it and feeling pain you're not really allowing that like body part to like fully heal so it's being like conscious that like like moving that i like did it in like a whole like log roll and like got out of bed just like in a nice like tight fashion because, yeah, you know, every day you walk around just doing things that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, fi- like, not really fine, but it doesn't mm-hmm. cause you any issues. But, yeah, when you have to, like, be quite precise, 
even just like getting into bed was like yeah <laughs> that's so yeah. interesting <laughs> it was quite, quite hard but it, it must have aided your recovery I reckon because I saw you not that long after your accident and yeah. you were climbing again yeah yeah I was about six weeks yeah definitely yeah helps a lot I think just like having a bit of like guidance to like start just doing a bit of movement and like getting blood flowing and just yeah being active like definitely like aids it and also I guess being like fit like going into the accident I think also helps our process but initially like when I came out of the hospital they kind of told me that it'd be about six months before I'd be able to climb again but I could run from like maybe two months which like I kind of felt was a bit weird they gave me this really conservative like yeah deadline where it was like yeah maybe not deadline but like idea that's like oh climbing can only happen this point but running would be fine from two months so yeah it was a bit weird walking out and being like well it kind of seems yeah it didn't feel quite right like and trying to guide it to be like well maybe by two months like I actually will be like quite healed and that's where I can mm-hmm. start bringing other like like climbing and bushwalking and other mm-hmm. things back into yeah my life yeah and you um sort of came I think did you come straight back to Queensland after that happens yeah yeah I came straight back yeah because I was mm. yeah, in Melbourne and yeah we me and my partner in the van at that time and yeah went and spent a few nights at my cousin's place and yeah that was pretty hard <laughs> I remember the like first or second night I was out of the hospital and I was lying in bed and then like I needed to get up and get out of the van and like I got to I don't know kind of like half sing up and it was just like excruciating like I just had to lie back down and this is like I just I can't move yeah Mm. it was pretty hard (laughs) so you came back to Queensland to essentially be in a house and you have all of the things right you know where you needed them yeah exactly um I want to talk about uh the the mental component of the recovery um tell me if you don't want me to keep this in um but when we saw you the the day that I met you was at Frog um, and we were climbing together and unfortunately that day at Frog there was actually another accident um, where someone fell and by all accounts they were fine um, but they actually had to get chop it out Um, because Frog's I mean I I was they took a bit of a knock to the head they'd forgotten their helmet I think or you know weren't wearing helmet and um, you know so again these people commendably played it safe and called a chopper and uh, yeah they got chopped out and I remember that you were actually like halfway up a route when the chopper rolled in yeah. um <laughs> and, and walking back yeah yeah and it wasn't wasn't uh just wasn't a vibe no, no exactly. it was not a vibe yeah <laughs> um yeah so tell me about that like I, I mean that specific instance and then you know more generally about the mental recovery that goes into something like that yeah, it was kind of quite interesting. Yeah, it was definitely um, out of the ball, to say the least. Yeah, having that happen. Um, yeah, I remember being halfway up that route or just starting and, yeah, hearing the chopper, like, circling and just being like, oh, maybe, like, you know, they're just doing a drill or something. And then they came back and were, like, hovering. And you're like, oh, no, something just, like, feels like it's, yeah, happening or someone's had an accident. Um, yeah, and it was kind of, like, two things, really. Like, I had mates, like, down that area so it was kind of this first thought where you're just like, oh, shit, like, something's happened to a friend. Um, and then secondly, yeah, it was quite an interesting experience to go through. It was almost like a bit of like a PTSD moment. Um, I think that sound and, like, 
reverberation or like the chopper and how like loud and visceral that is maybe just took me back to the experience of like when I had my accident and was lying there and like in the pain that I was going through plus like the chopper and those two that there was maybe like a deeper like physiological like imprint um yeah because it kind of just like really took me back almost to that moment and yeah it just brought up a lot of like emotions from when my accident had happened which was in a way kind of yeah would have obviously preferred that whoever had their accident at that time like didn't go through it but i think it was actually like a good experience to go through because i think it just brought things up where i had to like sit with them and just like process it and I also had a friend who wasn't part of the accident, but she had an accident at Arapiles like a year before as well. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And yeah. she had the same sort of visceral like response to it. And I think that was the first time that she had also been around a chopper, a, a climbing crag. Um, so it also hit her in like a similar way. Um, yeah, so we kind of like both had to kind of just like sit with that experience and mm. just kind of like process it at the time which yeah felt quite cathartic in a way to like go through that it's a very bizarre thing as well because i remember the crag was really busy mm, that yeah. day and and there's like not much you can do but at the same time it's like you feel like shit if you just keep climbing because you know something terrible has happened yeah, yeah, exactly. but you don't want to be there either and be like looking on so yeah. it's just like a weird i mean without any of that additional trauma it it's just initially a weird thing to be a part of on the periphery of. Um, And then to have all of that additional stuff going through your brain that you just have to deal with and knowing that someone else is going through this thing and you understanding acutely what that feels like must be really um, like overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a bit overwhelming. I think, yeah, you kind of feel a bit like help in that situation because you kind of want to be like involved if necessary but you also don't want to like crowd the space out if your help isn't necessary so I think like like going over and like seeing what was happening and seeing that there were people looking after the, the patient that was like on the ground and that they didn't need extra help but also just being close to the area in case um, emergency services needed help moving uh, the patient which eventually like they did like there was maybe like six or seven people and they moved like a person maybe like 15, 20 meters to a better spot so they could get winched out. So I think just being around the space if they needed help. So it was like, you know, just a quick reaction to like get the person out. I think that's like kind of, yeah, it was important just to be there. But um, yeah, I definitely like, I remember like someone was like filming like the chopper and that like really kind of triggered something. Like I don't know, being in this like day and age where like we're just so like, you're happy so many people were filming and like in a way i i get it because i think there were a lot of people who didn't really even know what was going on because i think like we thought for a while that they were doing training exercises and stuff like that but yeah yeah it's crazy to see so many people filming yeah it's, it's quite interesting like yeah my initial reaction was like yeah i didn't quite like it i think just like respecting the fact that someone could have been really like injured and that um you know just filming this being like oh that's like cool that's like awesome that's like a chopper but like thinking beyond that that like someone could be like seriously like injured and like you don't know that and yeah like having a bit of respect like that like some like deeper stuff could be going down and um yeah it's like i can get the reaction but yeah i think it was 
yeah, quite interesting to, yeah, like note mm-hmm. that. But um, yeah, it was quite quite an intense. Um, welcome back. Yeah. To climbing. Because yeah. that was that your first time climbing again? In, yeah, that was yeah. my first day back. I think yeah, or one of the first. There was the first day back at Frog. I think I might have gone out uh, climbing with my partner like yeah the week before. But um, yeah, it was God, one of the first few. So unlucky. And you were on lead. I mean, you were climbing something that would have been really easy for you, but yeah. you were like on lead at the time. And I think it was on top rope, yeah. Oh, were you top yeah, roping? Top yeah, yeah, right. Just keeping, yeah. keeping it light. Keeping yeah. it safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, that must have been, yeah, it must have been very intense. Do you think in the long run that like helped or hurt your recovery mentally? I think helped, yeah. Um, my sort of like, brain i don't hold on to things too deeply so even throughout like the initial like acute stage of healing um i guess there were moments where you know you kind of like you like get negative on yourself for like yeah having that whole experience happen but definitely doesn't help in like the long term of being able to move past that and like learn from like the incident if you keep like berating yourself um but yeah i kind of like moved on somewhat quickly that i didn't hold on to like the experience too deeply and didn't let that like throw me into negative space and yeah when I started climbing again it didn't feel like there was any like flashbacks to like experience or like any like trepidation about like climbing and then having that experience which was like quite powerful like happened I think yeah it was a good thing mm-hmm. to be able to like yeah sit with what was going on on like a deeper level because unless yeah the chopper and the noise and like the feelings and the sounds were there like that yeah throwback to when i'd injured myself i don't think would have happened so yeah i think that helped clear some like really like deeper level stuff which was yeah i think positive Mm. in the the long run yeah i mean i only saw that like one brief snapshot into your recovery in that moment but i actually thought that you were really conscious of your mental health and you were really in tune with what your needs were like you immediately I can't remember if I was belaying you or if Andrew was, but you were immediately like, you know, I'm coming down. This is not, (laughs) this is not the moment for me to be doing this. (laughs) And then immediately you were also like, I'm also not climbing for the rest of the day, but I'm also not leaving the crag either. Like it was just, I could tell that you kind of knew exactly what you needed to do. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was really impressive. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I guess taking a step back from climbing and, you know, it's, sometimes you have those moments where it's like what is like you know why do we climb you know when something like big like that happens you're just like well this is pointless like like what does it matter if i could go up this route so like coming down kind of felt like the natural decision and then making sure that my like mates were fine and i guess the other person was fine and that they didn't need any like extra help and then i think just being around people like yeah being around my friend that was having like a similar experience i think i was quite like yeah, important to like be there and like yeah we just gave each other a big hug and we're just like checking in to make sure that we're both like all right and then yeah and then just being around friends yeah i think that was important like just hang out with you guys like at the base of the crag and then i think towards the end of the day like it felt kind of like all right like i kind of do want to just jump on a rope and just like move a little bit and yeah that also felt quite like just natural to like move through that but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um can i ask you about your friend recently who yeah. had a similar accident yeah um yeah because you said that sort of brought up a similar kind of emotional battle as well for you yeah yeah it was a bit 
yeah, super unfortunate because I was also one of the, it was the first day that I got him back to Arapalese. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, their accident hadn't happened on that day, but it happened about a week before. And yeah, I'd been chatting to a mate earlier and he'd been telling me about how he'd helped someone off the mountain that had had a bad fall and yeah, pulled some gear from like four or five meters and then hit the ground. And then, yeah, I was just messenger, messaging my mate afterwards who was meant to be in the pines um, at the time. And yeah, I ended up find, finding out through him that he was a person that had had the accident and yeah, also broke his, broke some ribs, maybe fractured a, um, yeah, his like L or T10 or something or L1, um, but as well as spine. Um, yeah, and had a similar like experience and that was definitely a bit, yeah, it was quite, like intense, like being back where the accident happened and then knowing close mate that it happened and like just having the same like knowledge of what he was going to be going through like mentally mm. and physically. But thankfully he was a lot better that he was able to walk quite soon after and yeah, his injuries weren't as serious. So he was yeah, able to get back into things a lot quicker, which was like, yeah, really positive to see. That's really good. Yeah. Are you comfy over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah just, a, just adjusting, yeah. We're sitting <laughs> the on the floor. floor. <laughs> yeah, <good>. um, <laughs> And uh, what was it like going back to Arapolis and climbing there again after your accident? It was, it was, I thought it was going to be harder than what it was, particularly like going back into a place and space where you've had like a bad accident and then like maybe having that like perception that people are like judging you. So I think that was like some of the initial thoughts that there was going to be that perception and um yeah and then having to go through and explain what had happened and yeah and maybe not necessarily wanting having to repeat like the story and experience like all the time but um yeah it felt very natural like all the people that spend a lot of time at the pines and the friends that i have there yeah were like super understanding and more excited that i was back and healthy um which yeah kind of put to bed like those other thoughts um yeah that i had but yeah so that was probably like yeah, it was a little bit tricky, but overall it was like quite a smooth like reintroduction, and yeah, it was really beautiful going back to back to that spot in the pines and Mount Arapiles and mm-hmm. being able to climb again. Yeah. And did you climb? Oh shit, I've forgotten the name of the route. Ah, uh, Squeak Easy. Yeah. Name of the route. Did yeah. you climb it again? I jumped on it on top rope uh, with Meg, who led it, and had plans to towards the end um, of the trip, but. Yeah, a few things just didn't like align, both like weather wise and like how, yeah, like my body was like feeling at the time. Um, yeah, so I kind of just like left it. Yeah, didn't feel like the need to like push it that trip. But um, yeah, it was really good to get back on, like rocked up to the like base of the climb and there wasn't anything like any like big moments of like, holy fuck, this is like where I like, like fell and hurt myself. Like it was like cool. Just felt like another route in a way but that also could have been completely different if i jumped on lead you know <laughs> yeah is it unfinished yeah. business for you do you think you will go back and try and send it um i reckon so it's a beautiful route yeah and yeah i had my friend yeah who'd been working it and yeah when i jumped on top rope i found more gear so just like yeah it felt a lot safer and didn't feel as like imposing and when i tried it again it just didn't feel as like hard compared to like the last time that i'd been on it so yeah i think as well to like go through that like sort of like mental like journey of like jumping on something that's like it's both challenging and maybe a little bit scary there is something that's like quite 
like enticing to that. Um, but yeah, at this trip, it just didn't feel like it needed to happen. And mm. yeah, and I was quite happy to, to, just to be like, cool, another time that'll like happen or happen. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable to think about, you know, obviously like that physical recovery is remarkable that your body can heal yeah. an injury or a couple of injuries that are that significant. But even more, it always blows my mind when people talk about these stories of, you know, getting back into climbing after these pretty significant injuries. Um, what do you think you you learned from this experience? Um, well, it's a big question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or maybe like one thing that you think you've learned yeah. that's maybe made you a better climber. Yeah. Or I think there's definitely like a, a lot of like takeaways. Um, I think like leading into... Uh, the day that it happened, um, that I wasn't like my mindset to try the route wasn't, it wasn't quite where I needed to be to, to really like do something that was like, yeah, physically, mentally challenging mm-hmm. and to have the necessary, like, like decision-making to, to actually put that route to its best, like, um, yeah, to the best ability that you could do it. And I think that's quite important to be like aware and checking in because sometimes like some days you just don't feel it and it's maybe a bit easier if you're on a sports route where, you know, you can rest in blocks, but where the crux is like placing really good gear and being aware of like the dangers to be like constantly like taking all that stuff in, I think does take a bit of like mental energy, which on that day I just didn't have and actually just wasn't feeling the route and I should have just listened to that and being like, actually, I just, I don't want it. I just... I want to go and climb some easier stuff today mm. uh, rather than having to like try to like push it and being this like oh, I need to send it for whatever reason which it doesn't mm. then at the day doesn't like matter too much um, yeah so I think that was quite a big one like really listening to that like gut intuition mm. um, and then like just like climbing routes and placing like really good gear I think that was reframing the idea that you don't always just have to like send a route that there's these moments where maybe you choose to run it out, but like placing bad gear and deciding to climb above it isn't necessarily the the best outcome, which like afterwards chatting to a few friends, like I've talked to a few people who've had that experience where they've gotten really pumped and decided to not place gear or place bad gear and climb above it. And yeah, which is like interesting to hear because yeah, they were facing barrel, these like monster whippers and they're like, I just managed to squeeze through and, you know, it's almost like, oh, haha, you know, it was like fine and I didn't, I got away with something, but I don't think now looking back that, you know, the right decisions were made when you decide to place like bad gear and then like move above it. So really trying to refocus that idea of like actually, you know, you know, it's beautiful to place really good gear and if that means I've got to like sit and not send the climb that day, then so be it. But I'm um, really trying to like focus in on that. And especially when you're looking at a climb, you're starting to get a bit pumped and, you know, your decision-making goes a bit awry. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like freaking out a little bit and being like, mm. all right, you know, either place a good piece and move on and like time yourself or down climb back to your last piece and take. Um, and yeah, that was another one is just like that ability to down climb, try and bring that into like a climbing skill. Um, you know, that's not something I've really learned a lot over like the last four or five years but being able to like reverse moves and getting to safe position rather than always having to look at just taking a whip um yeah so those are probably like some of like the yeah bigger 
yeah, sort of takeaways that I kind of yeah. had from the whole experience and trying to be a bit more mindful and top roping routes. Mm. Yeah, not not needing to always lead stuff and just like jump on top rope and work things out. <laughs> One of my friends, Kelly, always says that top roping is the purest form of climbing nice, because you're yeah. not thinking about anything else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're not yeah. thinking about gear. You're not thinking about the whipper you're yeah. about to take. You're just moving. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree with that. I also love that you said... Um, you described placing good gear as beautiful because I really do think that like that's an art form. People yeah, who have the experience and can just place good gear in the weirdest, most obscure, most like, um, you know, challenging places. Yeah. It's, it's such a skill and, you know, being a good, I, I always say this, being a good climber is, is as much about being knowledgeable as it is about being strong. Yeah, um, and yeah, that having that amazing. experience and that, that eye for good gear is like critical to that, I think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, totally agree. And especially Rapleys is quite interesting for that because have you ever been? I haven't been. I would love to go. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a, on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing place and also very unique because like if you come from Frog and you're placing a lot of cams, you go there and it's like, you know, you can lead a lot of stuff to some nuts. And that's another whole ball game of like being able to look for like these beautiful nut placements. And like, you know, when you get a sink of nut, it just oh, feels it's so, so good. good. Yeah. Honestly, it's better than a cam. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 And especially the wraps, like, yeah, I think also the rock type sometimes can lead to cams not always being like the best piece. Yeah. Um, and it probably happens with frog um, with cams placing, but you can get like really slick, glassed up, chalked up. Yeah. Holds that like actually cams can just like skate out. Um, yeah. So like being aware of like mm. you know where a good cam placement is and you know where your good nut placements are and being cognizant of the rock type. Yeah. I think yeah it takes a little bit to get used to, especially there. And yeah, it's definitely a big art form. Mm, absolutely. Um, and the other thing that I thought was interesting that you said was that whole thing of um, you know not always having to send. Um, it's such a, I feel like that's such a battle that a lot of climbers have to overcome. I started saying to myself, I'm not getting paid to be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. it's not my job. Yeah. I don't even have to do anything, yeah, you know? This or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's definitely something that I think a lot of climbers, not every climber, but a lot of climbers I know have gone through that struggle at one point in For time sure. or another. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, climbing can sometimes be very, like, send-heavy and where, like, you know, track climbing really is about that whole, like, journey and, you know, being, like, in the zone and placing good gear and that as much as, like, actually just getting through and sending but doing it in, like, poor style and maybe, like, yeah, like what happened to me, like, taking a big whip and pulling some gear and, and that was, like, I think one of the only pieces I think I've ever pulled, like, track climbing, mm-hmm. but it's, like, the one that ended up, like, yeah costing me and yeah causing an injury so it's quite interesting yeah mm, yeah um what are you your plans now have you got anything on the list um well we just got him back to tassie yeah oh, cool. which is super exciting yeah it's been awesome yeah getting back up in brisbane now but yeah came came here for a few weeks but yeah just settling back into um yeah life down there we've got in a house down in hobart nice. so room and yeah gonna be living down there in the new year which is yeah super exciting and yeah just kind of retouching with like the landscape there because it's yeah got a very distinct flavor and yeah a bit of highlining it's probably on the cars at the moment 
Um, we spent like a week over at the coast highlining, uh, which is just, yeah, awesome. Just being by the, the ocean and yeah, reading mm-hmm. highlines and yeah, it was super fun. And that's something that like I'm pretty keen to yeah, explore a bit more of. Yeah. Oh, Tassie would be the most incredible place to do that. Yeah. I've been, we've been trying to get down to Tassie since pre-COVID and they closed their border like four days before we were meant to yep. go down oh, there. No, so <laughs> I look forward to coming and visiting you in Tassie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. More than welcome. It would be awesome to have you down there and show you some of the local crags. Was that, what, 2020? 2020. March 2020. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting. I think there was a reverse for me. That's what caused me to stay in Tassie. Was the borders sort of closing around other spaces? I had to make a decision to yeah stay there or yeah come back up to Brisbane. But and now you've settled there. Now I've settled there. Yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. That's cool. It feels like home. Like yeah, settled in and to see. I love the love the people. Love like the forests and the mountains and the rivers and yeah the lakes and yeah just so much variety. And you don't always have to be climbing, but there's a lot of cool things to explore and adventure in. Yeah, which just yeah ignites me a lot (laughs) thanks for sharing your story Adam yeah no worries thank you very much for having me and yeah going through this yeah it's been awesome to kind of chat and hopefully yeah there's some good stuff that people can take away and yeah take into their climbing journeys yeah just hopefully everyone gets out and has some sweet adventures and yeah stay safe (laughs) absolutely Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Bail List. I do really want to get a bit more of a regular schedule going again back in 2023. Um, So I hope you'll stick around and listen out for more episodes. If you have a climbing fail, bail or epic that you would like to share, get in touch. Uh, We've got socials uh, at The Bail List on Facebook and at The Bail List on Instagram. Um, So find me there. Drop me a DM if you've got a story to tell um, or just let me know what you think of the podcast in general. Uh, Once again, I would love to thank our amazing supporters, uh, Wild Earth Australia and Awesome Woodies, both of them always very, very supportive of the Bayless podcast. So thank you both so much. Um, And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Bayless. I hope you'll stick with me in 2023. Have a marvellous Christmas period and Happy New Year. See you soon. Stay safe.